Uh, last week, uh, Nate Hand uh, started our uh, current sermon series on 1 John. Um, and so we're, we're following the lectionary through this, so uh, we may jump around a little bit. Um, so he did a great job opening us up and giving us kind of what, what John is saying from the, the beginning of this letter. And so uh, we're going to be continuing on with that uh, this morning. So uh, if you would, uh, join me in a word of prayer as we get started. Loving God, we are so grateful for this chance to, to be together, um, to join together, whether it's here on the lot on 3rd Street Southeast, or if it's uh, in our, our own individual homes on Zoom. God, thank you uh, that we can be connected. And God, we recognize that your Holy Spirit is here among us in a mysterious way, uniting us, joining us together. Again, whether we're here in person or on Zoom, God, we thank you for that great mystery. And now as we turn to the scriptures, we, we acknowledge your spirit here among us and ask that your spirit would lead us and guide us and shape us and form us more and more into the image of Jesus. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Philosopher and theologian Kendrick Lamar once wrote, Tell me who you're loyal to. Is there anybody you would lie for? Anybody you would slide for? Anybody you would die for? Now, if you're not familiar with Kendrick Lamar, uh, calling him a philosopher and theologian may be a bit deceptive because he's most notably known for his work as a rapper. But if you ask me, uh, he is one who does philosophy and theology through the act of rapping. (laughs) And here's what I mean by that. Throughout his songs, uh, we see all sorts of like sacred images, all sorts of sacred discussion, all sorts of like sacred symbolism. But you might miss that if you uh, just listen to it at face value, because what you're often met with is a little bit of profanity at the beginning of it. And so as, as this, this uh, rapper, this theologian, this philosopher, he holds these two things in tension throughout all of his work, the sacred and the profane, uh, um, faith and failure, salvation and sin. And what emerges throughout his work is this really beautiful, raw, honest presentation of what life is and the grappling that all of us are asking within our lives. And so in his most recent album, he tells the, 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 uh, the story of a character who obviously like represents himself and his own life. And throughout the, the album, we see this like this running from the sense that there's more to life, that life is offering more than what he's experiencing. And we see him like wrestling with this call and running from this call on his life. And then we get to the song, Loyalty, where he begins to ask this question of loyalty. Where does my loyalty lie? Who gets my loyalty? And we see it beginning with rather superficial things. And after he processes that, it moves into something deeper like people. And after he processes through that, it gets even deeper into like expressions of loyalty. Like, uh, is there anybody that you would lie for? Anybody you would slide for? Anybody that you would die for? These great expressions of loyalty. And then he ends this line by saying, that's what God's for. Like in asking this question of, of who are we loyal to, he, he moves from superficial to people to expressions and says ultimately like our loyalty is in God. And then this becomes a turning point, not just in the song, but in the album as a whole. And it seems as though he stops running from the sense that there's more in life and he begins to turn and embrace it and begins to address the temptations that lie before him in life. 
I think Kendrick Lamar is a really fascinating sort of philosoph rapping philosopher theologian because like again he holds these things in tension the, the the sacred and the profane the 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 faith and the failure the salvation and the sin and what emerges is this beautiful raw honest grappling presentation of what life really is and he asks this really profound question of like tell me who you're loyal to like where does your loyalty lie who has your loyalty your allegiance your belief and it's such a profound question because there's so many things around us that are competing for our loyalty, our allegiance, our belief. And it's as if he recognizes that there's, there's this inescapable interplay, this interconnectedness, this mutuality between things like loyalty and likeness. There's this interconnectedness, this interplay between things like um, allegiance and action. And there's this interconnectedness, this interplay between things like beliefs and behavior. So answering the question of tell me who you're loyal to reveals something to others, but it also reveals something to ourselves. Asking, do these things align? So it's a profound question, this question of tell me who you're loyal to. And believe it or not, I think this is one of the pressing questions all throughout 1 John, specifically as we start leading into chapter 3. Now before we get into chapter 3, it might be helpful to, to back up and recognize the situation that we're stepping into because this, the, the, the story surrounding 1 John didn't happen in a vacuum, but it happened where life happens in flesh and blood with real people. Now, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John seem to be connected by a similar author uh, who we call John. And it seems as though John is some sort of pastor or elder or some sort of sage for a community of house churches. So it's a network of different sort of communities that are joined together probably because of the, the influence of John himself. And it seems as though this community, this broader community, this network of churches has experienced some sort of conflict, some sort of division, some sort of rift. Now, we're not exactly sure what this conflict or division or rift centers on, but as we read through the lines of the text, it seems as though it has to deal with, like, the person of Jesus. And some have suggested that maybe... Um, part of the community didn't believe that Jesus actually took on flesh and blood. Like Jesus was some sort of divine hologram living among us, but not actually like flesh and blood, full human being. And as a result of this conflict, this division, this rift, part of the community broke off to do their own thing. And so now John is left here with like the, the fragmented pieces of this once united community and is stepping into this role of pastor, of elder, of sage, trying to unite them, connect them and rally them. And how John does this is by centering on the point of conflict itself, the person of Jesus. And so uh, John is speaking to this conflicted community, and so he begins talking about uh, the grandeur of God, which uh, Nate talked about last week. And then in chapter 2, he does some housekeeping, saying, like, hey, this is our main rule. Love one another. And then he does some more housekeeping, addressing those who left in some of their teachings. And then we get to chapter 3. And starting in chapter 3, we read, See what love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Beloved, we are God's children now. What we will be has yet to be revealed. What we do know is this, that when he is revealed, we will be like him for we will see as him, and all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. 
In these opening lines of chapter 3, there emerges this, this imagery of being children of God, this reference to the family of God. And this will become a really important sort of imagery for John throughout the rest of this chapter. Um, because, again, John has given us this grand presentation of who God is. In God there is light and there is no darkness at all. But John doesn't want us to think that we have some sort of vague connection with some sort of vague deity out there far away. But John wants us to understand the type of God that we're dealing with. It's not a vague connection with a vague sort of deity, but it's a, a, a close, intimate sort of relationship with this God. It's one of like a familial sort of relationship. God has entered, invited us to be part of the family of God, to be children of God, not just some sort of vague connection. Now, again, this is going to be an important sort of image or analogy for John because uh, of the role that families play in our life. So think about the role and the influence of your own family. Uh, if you grew up in a good family, you know that like the, the support, the stability, the safety, the security that came from that and you know the profound sort of impact that that has on your life to this very day. But if you didn't grow up in a, a great sort of family and you didn't have that same sort of security, that same sort of safety, that same sort of support and stability, you know that that also had a profound impact on you to this day. See, our families play such an important role in our life in that they shape us and form us into the people that we are and the people that we are becoming. And so this becomes an important analogy for John because he, he's drawing on the same sort of imagery of, of the, the family of God shaping us and forming us as well. See, in our earthly families, we're shaped through things like nature and nurture, right? Um, nature being like the DNA from our parents passed on to us. Meaning like if you saw a picture of me and my dad at the same age, you would be like, that is definitely Gary Swanson's son, right? Like there's something biologically wired within me that represents that. But there's also this aspect of nurture as well, right? Like as we're part of a family, as we see how our parents interact and treat others, we're shaped and formed in that. And so John is bringing all of this together when he says that we're being invited into the, to be into the family of God, to be ch children of God, saying that we're being invited to have the divine nature, the divine DNA placed within us, to be shaped from within uh, into the image of God. And we're being invited into the community, the, the family, to be children of God, to be, nature, er, to be nurtured by our sisters and brothers, to see uh, how we uh, treat one another, how we interact with one another, to experience the love of God that has been given to us and that we share with one another. John says we have been called children of God, inviting us to be shaped and formed by this family of God. Now, this is an important sort of image for John. And as we'll see in just a second, John like doubles down on this analogy. This will become like the, the, the bedrock of the, the argument, if you will, uh, that he makes here. And not only does he just double down on this familial uh, analogy, but he also expands it. And as he expands it, he offers us two sort of options of a family to belong to. One positive and, well, one a bit uh, negative. So John continues on and he writes, Everyone who commits sin is guilty of lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. You know that he was revealed to take away sin and in him there is no sin. No one who abides in him sins. No one who sins 
has either seen him or known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. Everyone who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. Everyone who commits sin is a child of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The Son of God was revealed for this purpose, to destroy the works of the devil. Those who have been born of God do not sin because God's seed abides in them. They cannot sin because they have been born of God. The children of God and the children of the devil are revealed in this way. All who do not do what is right are not from God, nor are those who do not love their brothers or sisters. So we have this now uh, very obvious sort of negative example of being children of the devil, right? And John says, we know who the children of the devil are because they're the ones who sin. Now, John does us a favor by uh, defining sin for us. John says, sin is lawlessness. So the children of the devil are the ones that sin. They're the ones who participate in lawlessness. Now, to talk of lawlessness is to say, like, lack of regard for God's law, which is another way of saying a lack of concern for God's good desires, for God's good creation. Because this is what the law is all about. How to live in right relationship with God, how to live in right relationship with our neighbor, how to live in right relationship with the earth itself. The law is God's good desire for God's good creation. And those who are children of the devil are those who show no regard for God's good desires for God's good creation. Now, uh, if you're worried about this idea of sin and are thinking through your last 24 hours and wondering if you yourself are a child of the devil, um, (laughs) it seems as though like what John is talking about when he talks about sin isn't just a one-off sort of thing, right? Like in the middle of the night when you step on a Lego and let out a word and you hope that nobody else was awake to hear that, right? He seems to be talking about sin as more than something like that. But sin as like a practice, a rhythm of life, a, a habitual sort of thing. That, that sin becomes like the dominant characteristic of our life. It becomes the thing that we are known by. Uh, when I was a, a junior in college, I was a resident assistant in the freshman dorm, uh, which meant that I was responsible for an entire hall of freshman guys, which at the time seemed like a good idea. Um, so apparently I have some qu- questionable decision-making in my past. Um, but because I was over them, like that meant that I like uh, answered for some of the things that they were doing, some of their decision making, and I was responsible for them. So while other RAs let up on the rules, I kind of doubled down on the rules. And so this meant like if I had told you to stop playing video games in the study lounge, I might just walk up and shut your laptop and not ask a question about it. Or if it's open dorms and your door, uh, your door is supposed to be wide open and it's only open a crack, I might just barge in and not say anything, right? Again, questionable decision-making in my past. I own that. But I began to develop a bit of a reputation as an RA, and I began to be called by a small group of students, no fun Sean. (laughs) Because this is what they thought of when they first thought of me. No fun. (laughs) This began to be my identifying characteristic, and I think in a similar way, John is saying the same thing for the children of the devil. Like when we think of them, we think of those who have no concern for God's good desire, for God's good creation. And we can call them children of the devil because they're following the devil, the one who is the embodiment of not caring about God's good desires for God's good creation. They've revealed their cards. They've shown their loyalty. They've shown their allegiance. They've shown their beliefs. But thankfully, there's another option, right? There's the children of God. 
And the children of God are known by this, by doing what is right, by doing what is just, and by loving one another. Just like the the children of the devil, their identifying characteristic is sin. This becomes the identifying characteristic for the children of God. This is what people think of first when they think of us. Those who do what is right, those who do what is just, those who do what is loving to their neighbor. And again, in a similar way, as, as the children of the devil reveal their cards of their loyalty, their allegiance, their beliefs by doing what the devil does, we reveal our cards by doing what God does, by doing what God is, being right and just, and by being love itself. See, John is, is, is working out this like fascinating sort of dynamic, this, this interplay, this intermingling, this mutuality that exists between things like loyalty and likeness, between things like allegiance and action, between things like uh, uh, beliefs and behavior. And he recognizes like we can't separate these things out from one another. These things are mutually interconnected and have this interplay beyond, uh, between one another. So, like, we can't ask the question, which causes or which reveals the other one, right? So, like, uh, does loyalty uh, cause likeness or does likeness reveal loyalty? Yes. <laughs> does allegiance cause action or, does, or do actions reveal allegiance? Yes. <laughs> do beliefs cause behaviors or do behaviors reveal beliefs? Yes. And in a similar way, does being a child of God cause us to do what is right and just and loving? Or does doing what is right and just and loving cause us to be a a child of God? Yes. (laughs) We can't separate these things out. These things are are mutually uh, interconnected and working off of each other and playing off of one another. And this is why this question from Kendrick Lamar is so fascinating. Tell me who you're loyal to, because it's going to reveal it to others, but it's also going to be revealing to ourself. Because we're going to have to ask the question, if this is what I say I'm loyal to, is this what I'm actually like? See, Kendrick Lamar and John are saying the same thing. We can't separate these things out. If we say one thing, we do the other. And they're not the only ones that say this, because we see Jesus saying this as well. Uh, in Matthew chapter 7, towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, after Jesus has just given this, this beautiful teaching on what life in the kingdom of God is like, after he's just given us this, this image of what it looks like to take on this way of being, he gives the would-be disciples a warning. And he says, beware of wolves in sheep clothing. Those who, who say one thing outwardly, but do another inwardly. He says, beware of these. But then he gives us... Uh, um, uh, a way of deciphering between uh, who's right or, or, or who the wolves and the, the sheep. And he says, a tree is known by its fruit. A good tree cannot produce bad fruit and a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. These things are mutually connected. They interplay off of one another. They're interconnected. Now we have a word for this in the English language and that's the word integrity. <laughs> Like we have an integration between loyalty and likeness in our life. We have an integration between our allegiance and our action. We have an integration between our beliefs and our behaviors. And John is writing to a community that's conflicted, that's divided, that's had this rift, that's had a lack of integrity within it. And he's writing to those who remain 
and is offering a word of comfort by calling them children of God, but also issuing them a, a word of challenge by calling them children of God, of saying, like, it's not just enough to say it, but we have to do it as well. So my question for you this morning, tell me who you're loyal to. <laughs> where, where do your loyalties lie? Who has your allegiance? In whom or what do you believe? Now, if you've given up time on a Sunday morning to sit on a lot on 3rd Street Southeast or join in on Zoom when you have things like Netflix at your disposal, I would assume that there's some part of your answer would be God and God's kingdom. Which means a, a follow-up question to that is, uh, does our likeness, do our actions, and do our beliefs align with that? Meaning, like, when we think about the places that we have chosen to establish roots, like the places where we live, where we work, where we have our, our social lives, do these align with our loyalties and our allegiances and our beliefs? Has our response this past year to this global pandemic, does this align with where we say that we're, to whom we're loyal to and where our allegiances and our beliefs lie? Or in response to uh, racial injustice all throughout the news that unfortunately our sisters and brothers of color have known well beyond this past year, does our response to that align with where we say our loyalty, our allegiance, and our beliefs are? Or what about our response to uh, childhood poverty in our city of having the second highest in the nation? Does that align with where we say our loyalties, allegiances, and beliefs are? Or what about our care for our sisters and brothers to our left and right over this past crazy year? Does that align with where we say our loyalties, our allegiance, and our beliefs are? We live in a time where it feels like the children of God need to be the children of God. Um, now, if your answer to this alignment question is like mine and it's no, <laughs> there's some grace in this passage. Um, John uses two other analogies in this text where he says that we, are, we have been born of God and the seed of God is planted within us. Which is a way of saying that to be part of the family of God implies things like growth and maturity. And so if your answer to that, to the, that the question of alignment is no, the grace that's there for you is that there's this assumption that we are going to be growing that we are going to be maturing, that we ourselves will be producing fruit one day. And so if you, like me, uh, your answer was no, the grace is and the invitation is to plant ourselves in the community of God, to plant ourselves among the children of God, to plant ourselves within the family of God, and to allow families do, to do what families do, and allow the family of God to shape us and form us more and more into the image of God who is righteousness itself, who is justice itself, and who is love itself. Let's pray. Loving God, we thank you that out of your great love for us, you invite us, you extend a hand of invitation to be part of the family of God and look at us and call us children of God. God, thank you that um, you invite us into that and thank you that you invite us into all that that means because to be part of the family means that there's, there's responsibilities with that as well. 
And thank you for inviting us to, to join in on the work of your kingdom, to bring about things like righteousness and justice and love. And so, God, I pray that as we sit with this question of, tell me who you're loyal to, uh, God, that we would, we would be growing, that we would be maturing, and that we ourselves would follow you in a pursuit of righteousness and justice and love causing our loyalties and our likenesses and our allegiances and actions and beliefs and behaviors to align and play off of one another. And we pray all this in the name of Jesus. Amen.